Welcome to the Agora Network Ministries podcast, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our host, Evan Roars Dodge, shares practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and the stigma inside the walls of the church. Our hope is that through informative interviews with leading mental health professionals and people in the field, and through the stories of healing and transformation, you will find that hope and healing can be found in body, soul, and spirit. To learn more, go to agoranetworkministries.com and follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to this episode of Hope for the Agora. My name is Evan. I'm your host, and I'm so excited today to be joined by uh, my friend, Dr. Mike Hutchings. Mike, thanks for joining me today. Evan, it's always a privilege and always great to have a conversation with you. I'm, I'm excited. Mike, I was remembering today when we first met, which was at Global, uh, Global's conference, Voice of the Apostles mm-hmm. in Lancaster, Pennsylvania in 2016. And I was remembering this morning when, when you prayed for me, you had me look in your eyes and you were holding my hands and I felt this fire just hit my hands and move up my arms. Uh, and you and I both had a moment, you know, you could feel it too. And we just kind of stopped and we looked at each other and uh, then we unpacked that. But but your praying for me and that encounter uh, was a touchstone moment in my life and uh, sparked a friendship um, that we, we share to this day. So... You know, it's amazing when you just let Holy Spirit come and do what he wants to do. That's and, right. Uh, it's what's, what's the greatest privilege is many times you get to be, you're just a conduit. You know, as, as, uh, as um, Randy always says, he says, you know, we're just the donkey that Jesus gets to ride on. You know, <laughs> That's right. That's and, right. But it's such a privilege, right? I mean, it really yeah. is to, yep. to let the Lord just move through you, which is powerful. Yeah, yeah. Mike, you are um, working with Global Awakening. You're the director of the educational programs there. Share a bit about yourself, your ministry, what you do, and about, about your family life, and maybe um, maybe what you like to do for fun. So I'm, I'm a boy from Illinois. I was raised in Peoria, Illinois, in that area. My dad was a machinist, a caterpillar. I uh, was raised in the American Baptist churches, which is where I first had an encounter with Jesus. And uh, from there went to Judson University and then eventually to Northern, it used to be called Northern Baptist Seminary. Uh, It's now Northern Seminary. Uh, Received my Master of Divinity at that time, actually in both pastoral ministry and pastoral counseling. Mm -hmm. Uh, I pastored, uh, started pastoring little small churches beginning in 1977 while I was in uh, in college and engineering, eventually, um, you know, graduated, went into full time ministry, and uh, then uh, we were really touched by the Holy Spirit through my friend Randy Clark, who had a meeting in his church. It was actually a sister church. We were in the same denomination, just about eight miles down the road from each other, and uh, we had an encounter with Holy Spirit through a team from the Vineyard uh, Christian Fellowship in Anaheim, California in 1984, and it really transformed our lives in a very significant way. We ended up going and doing church planting, and uh, I was instrumental in uh, being part of planting two churches during that season, 
um, and was just had an amazing time and just learning what it is to move with the Holy Spirit in planting uh, churches, bringing people to Jesus Christ. Uh, eventually, I ended up uh, being a senior leader uh, of a uh, charismatic Mennonite church mm -hmm. uh, for 14 years. And then it was from there uh, that the Lord called me to come and join Randy in his ministry, Global Awakening, where I just celebrated my ninth anniversary here, my ninth year of helping to direct both uh, the online, some of the online programs, as well as the Global School of Supernatural Ministry. Uh, I have an amazing wife. Her name is Roxanne. We'll be married 40 years in August. I have three children and five amazing grandchildren. So that's just a little bit about me. Oh, what I like to do for fun. Well, let's yeah. say I do like to eat. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, hate, I hate to say it. I'm a real Marvel superhero uh, movie fan in a huge way. I love oh, Marvel comics going all the way back to the 60s. I have <laughs> comics, yeah, Evan, from 1963, Fantastic Four. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, but I hope you I have those insured. <laughs> I love to golf, uh, and I love to hang around with my grandkids, especially. So, oh, thanks, Sorry. Mike. Um, Mike, I think it was through your ministry with Global and your connection to Randy that you first started ministering um, to people who were dealing with the effects of trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, yes. um, those sorts of things. And uh, and you talk about in, in your new book, uh, Supernatural Freedom from the Captivity of Trauma, you, you talk about some stories and, you know, the first time that... Um, that you prayed and Ra you and Randy, Randy stood beside you, you prayed for someone who was, uh, was really laboring under, you know, what trauma had, had done to, to him. Um, share with us what got you into this ministry of, um, uh, of praying and seeking freedom from trauma um, that you, you now do. So it really was an assignment that kind of came with an anointing. Uh, a, this, veteran uh, at this event in Urbana, Illinois. I uh, was traveling with Randy. It was a healing event. And he asked for prayer for his post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms. And he had chronic nerve pain. He was suicidal. He had night sweats. He couldn't sleep. Uh, he had uh, lots of panic, anxiety. Uh, he had served in the military for over 20 years and been retired for five years. And his, his symptoms just continued to get worse. So when I went to Randy and said, Randy, this guy would like for him, for you to pray for him. He said, Mike, I want you to pray for him. I'll stand with you. So honestly, Evan, I didn't know what to do. I, I don't know that I'd ever prayed for anybody with post-traumatic stress, but John Wimber, uh, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, uh, always taught us that before we minister to anybody, we should always ask Holy Spirit, just say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do here? And so that's what I did. I just, in my mind, I asked that question and he gave me some leadings about how to pray for this man. Uh, his name was Ron. And within about 10 minutes time, uh, just leading him through breaking off shame and condemnation and speaking healing to his soul that he got completely set free of all of his, all of his symptoms. He went home that night, slept over eight hours for the first time in over five years. He came back the next day, was just thrilled, started bringing other veterans to me to pray for him and and honestly, Evan, I, I was like uh, a deer in the headlights. I had no clue what I was doing. 
but I was given over that next year opportunities to, in public events, to pray for people, first of all, veterans, military veterans and active duty soldiers, then first responders, police officers, firefighters, emergency medical technicians, and then people who had been involved in every kind of trauma you can imagine from domestic abuse to disasters to car accidents. And I just began to see God heal people. And I began to actually, as I was led by the Holy Spirit to do some things, I started researching in secular trauma research and in um, in neuroscience about what the mind-body connection and what happens to the brain when it's you know tormented by traumatic images and memories and and just began to do all this research that as I heard the Holy Spirit do something I'd say okay is that a thing and then he'd say yeah that is a thing and so um, it it ended up in me uh, developing the prayer model that we call the the healing trauma prayer model. And then I began to conduct seminars uh, at the end of 2013, uh, training people how to minister to folks with trauma because nobody really has a grid for, for how this works. So uh, in the past eight years, uh, I've trained over 10,000 people uh, in 32 states, five different countries, actually seven different countries now um, in this prep model for healing trauma. And we have over 12,000 verified testimonies of people who've received freedom from all of their symptoms that uh, unresolved trauma, not just PTSD, but any kind of unresolved trauma brings. So it's been an amazing journey. And that was the part of the fruit of it was the new book that's come out. Mike, can you define trauma and PTSD for us and share maybe a few points of where our faith, where the scripture touches on trauma, PTSD, and what healing uh, from that might look like. So in, in our culture, we get the word trauma actually from a, a Greek word uh, in the gospels uh, where Jesus spoke on the parable of the good, good Samaritan. And in that parable, it talks about how the uh, the man who was beaten by the robbers and left on the road to, for for dead was traumatizo, from where we get the word traumatized, and that the good Samaritan saw his wounds and he treated his traumas or he treated his trauma, he treated his wounds, and uh, that so the word trauma literally means to be wounded or to, to wound. Or to have, or or to have in the noun, a wound. Um, for me, when you think of therefore trauma that's not necessarily connected in a physical wound, uh, we talk about wounds that are done to the soul. Um, throughout Scripture, you see this a phrase that is used. It's a word called brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. uh, David writes in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Uh, in Psalm 147, 3, it says, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. It's said of, of the Messiah in Isaiah 61, that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to the afflicted, to the traumatized. And then the very first sign of that, it says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. So the term brokenhearted in the in the Hebrew literally means to have a shattered soul. That mm. if you can think of 
the soul being the made up of the mind, of the will, of the emotions, and I add of the identity of, of who you think you really are. Um, that to me, that's the soul. That's the heart of man. That's the heart of any any person. And uh, when we experience lots of trauma, uh, when we have a traumatic event, when we've had abuse and things like that, that literally affects the way we think, the way we feel, how we make choices, and it affects how we think about ourselves. So many people who have trauma in their life, they think that their trauma, that is the, the way that they've been wounded, has defined them. And mm. the reality is, is that that's not true at all. You're not defined by what's happened to you, not defined by what you've done, because the blood of Jesus Christ, we, we have, things are different. But you asked for a definition of trauma. So for me, trauma is where you have had significant traumatic things happen to you that literally affect the way you, you think, the way you feel, the way you make choices, your identity, and it, it affects you in a way that your life is kind of framed by all the bad stuff that's happened. Mm. Yeah. How, how Mike, um, you know, you, you mentioned the word identity, which I think is so key. Um, and you say how, how identity is impacted by traumatic events. In the process of healing from, from trauma, what work has to happen with, with one's identity? Well, I think, first of all, they have to be led to what the New Testament says about them. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any person be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away, all things have become new. Now, we know that's the truth in regards to what the Father says about us, how he sees us. So then it's important that we lead people to a place where they begin to see what the New Testament says about how beloved they are, that they are indeed, you know, Paul calls the, the church, the people who are in the churches of the New Testament, he calls them saints. He calls them holy ones, you know. There is this, there is this, uh, this identity of being a son or a daughter of a loving father. Uh, where we experience what it means to be a co-heir with Jesus Christ. That indeed, that it, when it talks in Romans chapter 8, that we more than overcome through him who loves us, that we're overcomers, that we're conquerors, that all of these things stem from the fact that God has made us his children. And as children, then therefore, we are heirs of the promise that, as Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He, Jesus juxtapositions what he offers to what the enemy offers. What the enemy offers is destruction. What Jesus offers is abundant life, healing, and restoration in this life right here. So when you understand, you have to understand that so many people in the midst of their trauma, they've listened to a lie from the enemy of their soul that says, well, all this bad stuff has happened to you because you're just a bad person. So you carry shame because you think something's bad about you. Mm -hmm. You carry guilt because you feel like maybe God's punishing me for all the bad stuff that's happened to me. And then you carry condemnation, which means you're hopeless, that you're unable to change because you're this bad person. Well, the gospel of the kingdom 
brings a completely different message. And that is, no matter how poor, afflicted, broken, no matter, no matter what's happened to you, you're a new creation. You become a child of God. You walk in blessing and not cursing. You're no longer defined by trauma anymore. And that's that's where the the whole framework of identity comes from, is mm -hmm. who the Father calls us now. Yeah. Mike, I know in your prayer model that you talk about identity. Um, I, I see that clearly in the new creation declaration, which is all about our identity. Um, and uh, walk us through, Mike, that, that, that prayer model. If somebody comes to you um, and they're looking to be delivered, they're looking for freedom from trauma and its effects on their life, how would you minister to them? How, how would you pray for them? Well, for those that may not be familiar with how we minister to anybody, uh, we, uh, we like to have a relational moment with them where mm -hmm. they actually look at us. I like to have their eyes open while I look at them and they look at me and I try to keep their focus on my eyes while I pray for them because I believe that the love of the father flows out of me to them. Uh, I, I declare, I, I, I do what I would say, Evan, is a declarative prayer in that I'm really declaring over them the promises of God to those who've been traumatized and hurt. You know, if you go through Isaiah 61, the first part of it, it, it literally says you're going to have a divine exchange from, from mourning and sorrow to comfort. You're going to have the oil of joy for sadness. You're going to have a mantle of beauty for the spirit, for the, for the ashes. You're going to carry um, a mantle of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So the first thing I do is I declare their forgiveness in Jesus' name that by the blood of Jesus Christ, if they've accepted the work of Christ and the cross, then they're forgiven, that the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Therefore, they're, they're no longer being punished. They're not being punished by God. Uh, I, I want to make sure that they understand that. Then mm. I walk them through breaking off, just through prayer, all shame, all guilt or condemnation that they carry in Jesus' name. I speak uh, healing to their mind, to their will, to their emotions. Um, I cancel and I sever off any works of darkness that are tormenting them, which can be the spirit of trauma, the spirit of torment, spirit of suicide. Um, addictions are part of this as well. And, mm -hmm. and I'm saying to you that there is an enemy of our soul that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy the dream of God for our life. So I, right. I, I go after those things as well. And then finally, I actually pray for their brain. Um, I go after any any traumatic images or memories that they still carry in their brain. Uh, I'll have them put their hand in their head. And I'll pray for them. We just command those traumatic images to dry up and die. We speak healing to their brain. We speak life to their memory that they start getting their good memories back and they're no longer captivated by the bad memories. And then finally, we invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill any area that trauma occupies and then as you, as you related at the very end, I actually have them repeat after me a new creation declaration mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that they understand that their identity is no longer in their past, in what they've done or what's been done to them, but their identity is in who the Father calls them now. And that's a very brief understanding of what that prayer model looks like. Yeah. I'm gonna, we're going to take a short break, and I'll be right back with my guest, Dr. Mike Hutchins. 
Never in our lifetime have we lived through a global pandemic. Depression, anxiety, fear, suicide are at an all-time high. Medical facilities are overwhelmed. Seniors are dying. Lockdowns and churches trying to do their best to minister to those in need. Agora Network Ministries Perseverance Conference held May 1st is available on demand. Join experts Kay Warren, Dr. Grant Mullen, Brett Ullman, and Amy Simpson on specific ways to persevere and find hope. Go to agoranetworkministries.com and sign up for On Demand today. I'm back with my guest, Dr. Mike Hutchings. We're talking about uh, trauma ministry, prayer ministry, and healing, and his new book, Supernatural Freedom from the Captivity of Trauma. Mike, in your chapter on understanding trauma as a soul injury, you write, there is a supernatural power that brings healing to people, but after that healing, we've got to walk with some of those people. There has to be a healing community within our churches that walks with people through the process of being restored in Jesus' name. Walking with someone through the healing process is not a quick fix. Restoration can take time. Some experience instant restoration, but for most, it is a process. I love that, Mike, and I love the fact that, you know, in this chapter in particular, you come back to it again and again of the necessity of community, um, of a community of faith to surround and support people in, uh, in their freedom journey. So, Mike, can you share with us what you believe to be the role of the church in uh, finding freedom from the effects of trauma um, and then churches that, you know, there might be a stigma or church churches that folks encounter that might not be a safe place. What are some things that, that churches need to do better with um, in this conversation, in this journey of mental, mental health and mental wellness? Well, the first thing I believe is that churches need to talk about it. It needs to come from the pulpit that indeed in Isaiah 61, the very first manifestation of the good news that Jesus brings is to heal the brokenhearted. We have to have open, uh, not only preaching, but discussions about what trauma is. Because as, as I've gone across the country, Evan, quite frankly, I found that I'm, I, I'm one of the few that's actually talking about trauma from church pulpits. Mm -hmm. um, yet, what we see happening is we see people now, especially coming out of the pandemic, coming out of um, the, the unrest that we've had in our country and presidential election, all that, more and more people traumatized. The, the, the mental health uh, statistics are off the charts in terms of calls to suicide hotlines and mental health. And if the church doesn't respond to this, then we've actually we're missing an incredible opportunity to bring the good news of the healing of Jesus Christ into our community. So the first thing is we've got to have a conversation about it. We've got to talk about it from our pulpits in a way that we're not afraid of trauma. Number two, hmm. I believe that the church needs to actually believe that God can heal PTSD, that God can heal trauma, that we don't approach it like the world approaches it strictly from a therapeutic standpoint that, well, I'm just going to give you some steps, how to cope with your trauma and how to, you know, how to, how to just kind of make it. I believe that this is a ministry where the spirit of God will come and bring healing to broken souls. 
But in the midst of that, then there needs to be how we make the church a safe place is that we quit giving standard answers to people who carry trauma, you know, read your Bible more, pray more, that, that type of thing. But instead, we need to help form communities that will help them walk through both what they have been through, but also uh, go beyond just telling their trauma story. You know, you everybody ought to get their trauma story out once. But repeating it over and over and over again doesn't do anybody any good. That the reality is, is that we want to help people actually begin to step into their identity. So what I see these small communities being is small groups where we focus not on the identity of the past, but on our present identity right now as believers in Jesus Christ. And then believing that, therefore, we understand, wow, all that's in the past. The door's closed on that. I don't have to, I, I don't really have to look at that as part of who I am. This is who I am now. And that's why small groups are so important in helping people walk through that. And then maybe as other, maybe other traumas from the past or come up, maybe they, and I hate to use the word onion layers. I don't believe we're layered as, as humans, but as other traumas come up, then you have a community that can pray with you again and walk you through that, get you to a place of getting healed from that trauma as well. So I think that's how the church becomes a safe place. I, I think the other thing we have to realize is, is that as a spirit-filled community, we are more than just a counseling center. That indeed, while counseling may be a piece of what we do, that the reality is, is that we bring the power of the love of God that does transform souls and brings healing to souls. And, and we need to understand that kind of power that we carry within the church to bring restoration to people. That's what the gospel is all about, Evan. It's about restoration of the dream of God for our lives. So those are just a few ideas about how the church can help in this process. Yeah. Mike, if a church or a, a faith community is looking to really be intentional about ministering, uh, you know, inner healing, uh, prayer around trauma around this what are some things to watch out for and what are some best practices uh, in putting that kind of ministry together well first of all the the senior leader of that faith community is not the one to be doing this they can mm -hmm. start the conversation by talking about it from the pulpit but before they begin the conversation they need to train some people that are part of a ministry team or part of their pastoral care team in how to minister to folks with trauma that is more than just listening to them. Listening is a big part, but it's got to be more than just listening. It's got to actually applying prayer, which is why not to sell my book, but just to say, if there can be a group of people that are trained in how to pray for people, how to bring healing prayer to people's trauma, it's amazing how much progress can be made. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the thing is, is that Obviously, the church has other things to do besides besides uh, ministering to trauma, that you don't allow uh, trauma to become the focus of everything that you're doing as a church, but it does need to become a, a piece of what you do in, in pastoral care. But getting people, volunteers or pastoral care staff trained in this is very, very important. And that's where I've seen churches literally become trauma healing centers, where they they offer this, they do it maybe like once 
every couple of weeks or once a month where people can come in and receive specific prayer for healing. And they're seeing lots of people really get set free. Can you share a couple stories, Mike? Um, I know you talked about them some in your book. I know folks who get your book will really enjoy reading those. But just to build our faith, to hear testimony to, uh, and to give God glory, oh, share, share a couple stories of people that you've prayed for and you've seen them set free. So uh, there was a, a lady. Uh, I'll start with somebody. I actually just watched my seminar on the DVD. And she had been sexually molested by her father for many years at age 11, uh, physically and sexually abused by her father. At age 11, she finally said no to her dad. And her dad walked into the other room and took a shotgun and blew his, blew his head off. He killed himself. Mm. And so not only was she impacted by all the sexual and physical abuse, but then she carried all this huge guilt for being responsible for ending her father's life. So she had tremendous PTSD, uh, suicidal and attempted suicide many times. And literally just by watching the seminar on the DVD and praying the prayer, uh, she really got set free of all of that. I mean, God, all of the nightmares, all the night terrors, she was completely set free and healed mm. in Jesus' name. We've seen, I, I'm not going to go into specifics, but we've seen a number of of people who are involved in sex trafficking, where they literally were, you know, violated thousands of times, uh, get really set free of all of that trauma and walk in wholeness and healing where all of the connections to the people that had violated them were gone and they're actually able to walk in, in the fullness of their identity. Uh, we, one of the most famous testimonies that you can find on YouTube, Man Healed of PTSD, at Bethel Church was Adrian. He had such severe chronic nerve pain that he had been in a, a, a hospital bed, then he was in a wheelchair, then he was in a walker, and he didn't connect his chronic nerve pain to the PTSD that he had. But as I prayed for him there at Bethel, uh, God not only healed him of all of his chronic nerve pain, but set him free from all the horrific images of war that he carried in his mind. I mean, he was on 60 pills a day from the Veterans wow. Administration dealing with all the stuff that he was doing. And within less than a month, he was completely off all those medications, really set free, able to, he couldn't have physical interaction with his wife or his kids uh, through all of this chronic nerve pain and God completely restored him and healed him. So whether whether you're a veteran, I, one last thing, I have to say this, one of the greatest privileges has been is praying for first responders who were on ground zero at 9-11. And I prayed for a lieutenant in the police department in New York City. And he was suicidal. He had tried to commit suicide a couple of times, was uh, unsuccessful, but he carried all of the trauma of that in his mind. And uh, the Lord just completely healed him and literally erased nearly all of the memories from what he saw at ground zero and really set him free. And now he runs a healing ministry for veterans and active duty soldiers and first responders specifically in New York City so that they he's seeing hundreds of people set free from all sorts of trauma. So those those are the most exciting awesome. things where they have not only got yeah. healed, but yeah. they're releasing other people as well. Yeah. Mike, can you just indulge me? Can you share one of my favorite testimonies that I've that I've heard you share about the Boston Marathon runner? Oh yeah. So she was uh a pastor's wife 
and uh, she had been in the Boston Marathon uh, bombing. And when the, the second bomb blew up, uh, she was knocked down. And even though um, she was not severely injured, it sent her on like a psychotic break. Uh, she began to not be able to eat, not be able to sleep. She was having flashbacks and nightmares, night terrors. She was uh, just at a place where she was crying all the time, having severe panic and anxiety. And finally, um, you know, she, the, the, the story starts out, she comes down for ministry at a church that I'm at. And she says, I need prayer for trauma. And she says, I was in the Boston Marathon. And the Holy Spirit drops in my spirit to say to her, you're not going crazy, even though she hadn't told me any of her story. When I say that, she begins to weep and wail, and she falls on the floor, not by the power of the Holy Spirit, but just because she's so, so overwhelmed with emotion. And as I prayed for her, the Lord set her free. Well, what had happened was the, the Boston Marathon bombing had opened up like a can of worms that goes back. She was an Afrikaner from South Africa, and she mm -hmm. grew up during the time of the Troubles when apartheid was being released, but there was so much rioting. There was murders and, and rapes and just all sorts of things going on in Afrikaner communities as, as the native people of South Africa were kind of riding against the Afrikaners. And so she was all part of that. And even though uh, she thought she'd received inner healing from a lot of that, the bo that bombing actually like took the lid off of all of those mm -hmm. men. And she really felt like she was going crazy. As a matter of fact, her, her medical doctor said, I'm going to have to institutionalize you and put you on a significant antipsychotic medications because all of your symptoms seem to be that you're having a psychotic break. So as I, as I prayed with her while she's laying on the floor, weeping and wailing, the Lord just came on her and touched her. She got completely set free of all of that. She was able to get off all of her medication that the doctor had prescribed for her. And now she leads a healing room in Boston for those who were survivors of the Boston Marathon bombing. Wow. Wow. I, I love that story because I just, I, I love this, this trajectory that so many people experience, which is, you know, they have their own trauma. They have an encounter with God, often through prayer ministry, they're set free and then, but it doesn't stop there. Right. I mean, they, because they've been set free now, they go out and they have a heart for people um, who need to experience and want to experience God's freedom. And they, they become a leader in that. So I just, I love hearing those stories. They're, they're awesome. so meaningful. Yeah. Um, Mike, as before we uh, come to an end, just to touch back on your book, you uh, have talked about it as being a handbook, a resource guide. People can come to this book. They'll not only get good theology, a good biblical basis for uh, you know he trauma healing for this kind of prayer ministry, but you also give them some tips, some some guidelines, some some practical work in constructing this kind of ministry. So, can you share how people might use your book as a as a guidebook? Well, so first of all, I would say the last half of the book, you can literally walk yourself through any kind of trauma prayer uh, that, that you may need. I don't recommend that people do it all by themselves, but you can. I've had lots of people already say to me that they've been using it. But then you begin, once you get healed of your trauma, then you begin to ask Holy Spirit to draw people to you. 
to become, I call it a divine magnet of people with trauma. And then what happens is actually you begin encountering people who have lots of trauma and you can tell your story and then you can pray for them. You can literally, the, the book will literally walk you through how to pray that prayer. Has some of the, has the prayer written out. And so you can literally take your book and, and literally walk people through that. We also have prayer cards that I know we're going to talk about in a minute that are available for people to use that they can keep with them at all time to pray for people. But you know, what's, what's happened is that as that's taking place is that more and more people get healed and then they want to give it away. So literally we've had ministries start up that are people who have been healed, who are now going after people who have, trauma to heal them and they make appointments you know people come in to a place like a church and make appointments to receive healing prayer many people are going out and actually doing similar to the same seminar that i do to to train people how to do it so uh it's just that's how you can do it you can literally you can start doing trauma ministry simply by employing the prayer model that's within the book and it gives you a good as you say, it gives you both a good biblical as well as a clinical understanding of how trauma affects the human person. And as you do that, it gives you a context by which to do the ministry. The book is Supernatural Freedom from the Captivity of Trauma. Dr. Mike Hutchings, thank you so much uh, for talking to me today, for sharing about the book, for revealing your heart for this ministry and what God has been doing through you. Mike, if folks want to get the book, if they want to connect with you and your ministry, how can they do that? So I have a website called GodHealsPTSD.com. And if you go to that website, there is a store that has the book in it, as well as some other uh, things that are just being made available to you, some video and some audio resources as well that's available. There's also a Facebook page called God Heals PTSD. And on there, both on the website as well as on the Facebook page, you'll see lots of video and written testimonies of people who've been healed of all sorts of trauma. So once again, GodHealsPTSD.com is a place that I would have them start. Thank you, Mike. As a, a gift to our listeners, um, we, for the first um, 20 folks who uh, engage with this podcast on social media, if you share it, if you tag me or the ministry, Agora Network Ministries uh, online, or if you tag God Heals PTSD, their Facebook page as you share it, I'll see that um, and we, I'll get in touch with you and we will send you that prayer card. Uh, where Dr. Hutchings takes you through uh, a prayer model to minister to folks who are seeking healing from trauma. And in the show notes, we'll include links to different things that we've talked about, as well as a link to a YouTube video where Dr. Hutchings takes us through step-by-step step that prayer model, explains it theologically and, and practically, That'll be a great resource to go along with the, the prayer card. So, Mike, thank you so much for, um, for joining me today and for this conversation. It has blessed me, and I trust it will to our listeners. It's always great to be with you, Evan. God bless you as you continue to minister and bring life and the gospel of the kingdom throughout, throughout your ministry. I bless you. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you found it helpful and informative. 
We are always open to your comments and suggestions. You can contact us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. You can also go to our website for resources, information, and upcoming events. Just head over to agoranetworkministries.com. If you would like to support the work of Agora Network Ministries, including this podcast, you can find a link on our site. We appreciate your support. We pray that your week is blessed. Bye for now.